0: Have you ever had one of those crazy weeks? Well, I've definitely had one. I've had some really big events that have happened on campus. We were selected to be a host of one of the 2020 presidential debates. It's just generally been nuts. And unfortunately, I wasn't able to record an episode. I also had to miss Hyatt Webb, which really made me sad. Hi to everyone who's listening that went to the conference. I hope you had a great time. We will have our usual recap episode of the conference I'm putting that together right now um, we'll have that to you shortly so we hope you enjoy that when it comes out but in the meantime check out this episode with john mcbride now jackie and i met john at our various conferences like Hyatt web back a few years ago and you know i think that would be a fitting tribute for this week so Um, He had a lot of great things to say. He's doing a lot of interesting things at Brigham Young with social media. So take a listen, and we'll see you next week.
1: I'm Jackie Vetrano from the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. And I'm Logan Bishop
0: from Belmont University. You're listening to Higher Ed Social, part of the Connect EDU Network. Dad time is the best, um, except when it's not. It, it
2: has been a good dad day, but we're over at my sister's and the kids are running around with their cousins, so we're good oh. to. So we're on I'm location. Off room, yep, and we're we're all set.
0: That's awesome. Um, yeah, my door's closed because Simon has been a little uppity today. Um, he's <laughs> my uh, five-year-old, um, okay. and it's been raining for about four days straight, and he's been wanting to go. Outside to the new pergola fire pit patio thing, he calls it his camp, his campsite, um, <laughs> and it's just the patio. Um, but he he's really wanted to go out there, and every like hour he goes up to the window and is like, "It stopped raining," and I was like, "Simon, like you can see the raindrops hitting like the puddles out there." <laughs> he's like, "Okay, we'll look later." And then he'll come back an hour later. Is it done raining yet? No, it's still raining, (laughs) Simon. It's gonna be raining for another five days probably. Um, (laughs) So yeah, we're like about to flood here. It's actually making me nervous. Last time it rained like this was like 2010, and like the city flooded.
2: Um, Wow. So
0: getting a little nervous about the amount of rain we're getting. So yeah,
2: it's crazy. uh, Remind remind me where you're located again, Logan.
0: Oh, I'm in Nashville at uh, belmont oh, university right. yeah yep um you're you're over where it's a little drier um
2: just a yeah bit. a little drier but uh, a little colder a little colder but yeah. you got really great ski slopes. oh yeah it's been a great ski season um there's been a way more snow this season than we've had the past probably four or five years so very very good for the local economy and uh Yeah, it's it's fun and it's nice here because like I I grew up in Toronto and you know obviously extremely cold there and lots of snow, but it's just like gray and you're around the Great Lakes and it's just windy and icy and gross all winter. But here, there's a huge storm and then the sun actually comes out and melts the snow on the roads and keeps it all up in the mountains where it should be. And it's uh, quite pleasant
1: winters here.
0: Yeah, Jackie uh, is from Buffalo, which is like across the right. something or right there. Yeah, I so.
1: appreciate the hesitation. Like you were waiting, like <laughs> waiting for me. <laughs> I was to waiting jump for in.
0: Jackie to jump in and talk it's... about lake
1: effect snow. Yeah, Buffalo is like southern Canada, so I'm yep. also cu- like almost from Toronto.
2: <laughs> so, Jackie, I grew up as a Buffalo Sabers fan. Um,
1: yeah, which
2: I was beat up at school for because like being a Canadian. Oh, I would like say
1: you weren't a Canadian. Yeah.
2: Yeah, but uh, but we'd we'd drive over to Buffalo for at least eight to ten Sabres games per season, and that's so uh, fun. Diehard fans, so many many nights spent in Buffalo and pre gaming at the Pearl Street eatery.
1: Yes.
2: Excellent Buffalo wings.
1: Yeah, all about it. So, do you have an have you been to Anchor Bar and Duff's, the true Buffalo wing spots?
2: I don't know that I ever have, actually.
1: Downtown, um, it's a thing. There's a big fight in Buffalo between Duff's Wings and Anchor Bar Wings. Uh, Um, Duff's claims to be the original wing. I'm sorry, Anchor Bar claims to be the original wing, but then Duff's has like their sauces and stuff. It's a big thing. Um, But that is so funny. Yeah, being down here in North Carolina um the sabers played the carolina hurricanes oh, in yeah. carolina and i went to the game and there were probably as many buffalo fans as hurricanes fans which was yeah. actually hilarious so it's, that I, always... it's
2: crazy how well sabers fans travel like oh yeah all over the place it's cool
1: oh yeah well we all hated the snow and the cold so <laughs> <laughs> we left yep too fun So what are your other sports teams, then? Are you not a Buffalo Bills fan? Um, Yeah,
2: I... uh, Well, Well, I guess you're not
1: really a football fan if you're from Canada.
2: Right. Like, CFL is kind of, like, quirky and fun. Like, that massive end zone and field goal posts at the front of the end zone are just, Mm -hmm. like, weird novelty and fun to watch. But, uh, no, I'd say if I have any... NFL allegiances now. but Like, I grew up a Bills fan, but that was, like, I was a young kid during those back-to-back, like, heartbreaking Super Bowl losses of the <laughs> Jim Kelly era. So sad. I think that mm-hmm. broke just too much to be a diehard <laughs> fan. Um, so now I follow the NFL here and there, but it's actually usually, like, BYU alums that I'm following.
1: Oh, okay.
2: That I work at BYU. So uh, Taysom Hill with uh, New Orleans Saints this year was actually – Pretty fun.
1: Oh, the but, I did not um, know he was a BYU alum.
2: Yeah, he. he there was a pretty incredible feature from Bleacher Report this year. Like, he played what eight different positions like really well this season, and, mm-hmm. and as a primarily a quarterback, like it was pretty crazy to watch him just totally adapt to a utility player type role. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was fun. So, so NFL. Yeah, I don't know that I have a true allegiance, but. Um, definitely a Toronto Blue Jays fan. Grew up during the back-to-back World, uh, uh, world Series championships there. And then mm-hmm. um, basketball, I'm split between the Toronto Raptors and the Utah Jazz here. Because the Jazz wow. are the, the – well, there's the Jazz and there's Real Salt Lake and the MLS, but those are your only professional sports teams in the state of Utah. So, um, wow. Yeah,
1: that pretty much I did done. not know that. Yeah. That's a little – like trivia fact that I'm going to have to try to like stump my dad with, he always stumps me with ridiculous, like sports trivia. So that's a good one. I'm going to have to hold on to.
2: Well, it's interesting looking at, uh, sports in general in the West and and in some of these areas, like you look at, um, Idaho and Montana where there's nothing like for pro sports, right. When, Mm -hmm. you know, university of Montana has like a FBS football program, um, that they're or FCS and and they're pretty good in the FCS uh, year after year, but they sell out like a massive stadium every single home game, and they're in the middle of nowhere in Missoula, Montana, but it's really literally the only show in town. Like there's nothing else, so people drive for hours to come to watch this FCS football. Um, so yeah, it's crazy to see uh, the difference in sports. here in the west versus a much more compact sports offering in the east
1: that's so interesting i don't think i am dedicated enough to any sports team that i would drive like on a regular basis that many hours yeah but i'm also not really that into into sports (laughs) i'm just there for the company and as a bills fan i joke that we just (laughs) we watch football so we can have an excuse to drink more but
2: (laughs) sure sure (laughs) too funny
1: (laughs) We all know that Logan doesn't follow sports unless it's Belmont basketball. Got it. He hasn't even chimed in. It's fine. <laughs> Logan. Um, but anyway, so we should let you introduce yourself because we haven't done that yet. So. Wow, I've been Aren't talking to—I've
0: been talking, except my my thing was on mute and I didn't realize it. Oh. So I was wondering yeah, why Jackie was like, "Why
2: haven't? How
1: hasn't Logan been talking?" And I'm like, "I've been talking." Well, normally um, when we talk about sports, you don't talk, so it didn't feel that weird to me.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was, I was talking. Um, I was, I was about to say how I didn't even know that there was a CFL, um, and I did not know that the end zones were different and the goalposts were different. See, these are things I did not know. So I've learned something today. I've also Ooh. learned that I should look at the meter to see if there is talking coming from my microphone
2: <laughs> um, there you
0: go. which apparently there was not. So there you go.
2: We're all learning
0: things.
1: We have learned so many things and now listeners get to learn about you, John. So why don't you introduce yourself? See that transition cool. I just did? Bam that bam. Was a-
2: That was an excellent (laughs) transition, yeah. Thank you, thank you. So yeah, John McBride, um, I work at BYU as a media relations and social media manager. Um, That position has kind of evolved since I started six years ago and uh, doing much more social media now uh, than traditional media relations. But uh, but it's a fun role to have and a fun background to have especially with the emergence of influencer marketing and influencer relations, uh, we feel like our office at BYU is pretty well prepared for that trend because of, um, and and I know that a lot of higher ed offices are set up differently, but, uh, but for us with, with our PR and media relations and social all being in the same office, I know some uh, schools, media relations, something totally different and totally different office. But for us being used to work with journalists and pitching journalists a lot, um, being able to pitch, Influencers, uh, it was kind of the the natural next step. So um, our office is is focused on that sort of stuff. Um, But yeah, I've been there for six years. I was at Weber State University in Ogden, Utah for a couple years uh, before my stint at BYU. But uh, yeah, enjoying it there a lot. In case you don't know much about BYU, um, 33,000 students, uh, which is a pretty big and one of the larger uh, private religious universities uh, in the United States, and, uh, yeah, we're doing some some fun things at BYU and uh, trying to just spread the digital influence as much as we can.
1: I didn't realize that you were in, like, an evolving position at BYU, John. You, you act like you've been yeah. there the whole time. I mean, you have been there the whole time, but, like, <laughs> that this is what you're doing the whole time.
2: Oh, I've got a little kid in the room. Uh-oh. oh
0: maybe.
2: You want to say hi? Yeah. Uh oh, your cousin's gonna keep you upstairs. Say hi. 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 And now Lily's leaving.
1: Bye. Um, yeah, it was. Bye. Good. <laughs> so great to have you on the show.
2: Right, cameo from three-year-old Billy. We get it uh, all the time. So, so yeah, it, it's an evolving position, and I've actually really enjoyed that about our office in general. Is that we're we have a boss who. Um, is very pro evolution um, and things evolving in a productive way in our office. Whenever someone leaves, it's never a straight, okay. Let's just put that person's job description back on the hiring website and hire you know one for one that same position. It's always okay. You know what can we do better? What do we need to focus on? Mm-hmm. Um, so the person's spot uh, who I who left before I came in basically in the interview, like it was a straight media relations position. And I said in the interview, um, you know, I don't have a ton of media relations experience. I have a little bit here and there, but, um, what I can bring is more of a social and digital perspective to media relations. And I talked about how, you know, that's where the industry is going anyways. And, mm-hmm. um, I guess I was able to to sell them on that pretty well. And so, um, started pretty quickly, kind of pivoting a bit more towards social and digital at that point and and it really has been an evolution since then like social wasn't really in that job description but it's just grown and grown and grown since that time and uh we're actually hiring a another position right now where we're bringing someone in who's going to be 100 percent you know writing releases and features for us to pitch um that'll be a 100 percent media relations position and I'm, I guess, up to 80, 90% social now. So, so yeah, it's definitely mm-hmm. evolved. Over the years.
0: That's pretty awesome. Yeah, um, pretty
1: pretty I know how that feels.
0: That. I went through that kind of stuff.
2: Right.
1: Yeah. And the fact that you, like, I don't know, I haven't heard too many folks that approach social media as a pitching angle first. Yeah. yeah. I think it was more like, oh, this is the shiny thing and we have to get the shiny thing and we'll figure it out later.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And, and definitely we have our shiny moments and we realize that social can't be 100%. You know, it's it's not a 100% newsroom for us, right? Like, like, that's part of it is that. um, And that was part of the evolution was, okay, we're spending all this time pitching the New York Times and Washington Post to get this research out there. And that's great. And we're getting placements here and there. But then all of a sudden, our contacts are being fired left and right from every single um, you know journalist position and we're having a harder and harder time with that where the tools for us to be our own uh entity in our own newsroom were becoming better and better and we're getting a research video out on facebook that's getting five million views and and reaching people in a way we've never been able to reach them before so so we've had enough moments like that where we've realized you know let's let's uh, pivot a little bit here and and shift a, a, a little of our focus to try to Spread that reach in a bit of a new way. Um, but yeah, the pitching side of it, I think, um, started with a few influencer wins. Um, in my second year at BYU, I ended up pitching Beyonce's publicist on something. <laughs> and uh, yeah, Beyonce posted something about a BYU student out to her 63 million Facebook followers. And like that was a huge win and like never replicable again but yep. uh that got the wheels turning a little bit but then from there we shifted a lot more to a more micro influencer stuff and and a street team model and obviously logan you're doing incredible stuff with your boulevard team um as i saw nice. at uh, at high ed web um so yeah our, our, our street team model and and i guess you know that's that's what's interesting looking at what you're doing logan and what we're doing is is it's not the heavy pitch like, you know, here, journalist A, come to our campus and film this and put it in a tidy package. But it shifted to a pitch to a normal student saying, you know, hey, we've got this really important campaign coming up. Um, let's let's partner on this. Let's have you help us, you know, get this out to your, uh, your audiences who, you know, aren't consumers of a major media conglomerate, but who are very valuable audiences that are their peers that are current students and prospective students. And, uh, you know, pitching for that sort of influence I think is, is, has been really fun and really rewarding.
0: I can see. And I understand it's, it's good when they actually, you know, join you in celebrating things that should be celebrated. And, you know, I think we've got some things coming up, um, later this year um we plan to do more um outreach that way um through uh getting student uh students to help spread the word um and you know help tell the story of of belmont and you know the great stuff that happens um so yeah i mean it's exciting it's fun um and it's, re- it's rewarding because they're actually learning a little something too, which is always a good thing. It's mm-hmm.
2: like they sure. pay us to do that. Um, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so we probably owe it to them to, you know, help them learn a thing or two, considering the amount that they're paying us to do that. That's right. That's how I try to see it. So yeah.
1: So how many, um, John, I know you're working with students. How many are you working with?
2: Yeah. So we, so our model is set up a little differently in the street team. Um, we have about a 25 to 30 person street team at any given time. Um, none of them are paid or actual employees of our office. Um, those are all opt in volunteer positions and, uh, they're not so much content creating as they are more of a, uh, they're, they our most valuable focus group in the world that's for sure Mm -hmm. like our our meetings Mm -hmm. with them are just fascinating to 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 hear their perspectives um but really as an yeah um but but as an amplification model as well um just being able to help amplify our messages and get behind key institutional messages that's huge so so we've got 25 to on that street team. And then we've got, um, I've got two full-time or or full-time student positions, 20 hours a week, um, two social media students who work with me kind of day in and day out. Um, And they're, they're invaluable. Um, They're they're doing incredible work. And one of them, her job has completely turned into um, 20 hours a week of setting up training and uh, evaluating just our Instagram story takeovers. Um, That's her entire job and she does it extremely well. She's not a communications uh, major. She's a supply chain management major, um, mm-hmm. which is all <laughs> like, it's all logistics focused, right? Yeah. Like, how do we get something done in the most productive way possible? And she has been absolutely incredible in this position. So um, going back a number of years, it's just been really cool to see students like her come in and, and take a project and really run with it. And do some incredible stuff um so so our social media students are off, awesome uh, but overall in our office we actually employ um 25 to 30 students just in our university communications office and that's for you know photo video uh media relations uh internal comms and web development so we've got a really good student base in a number of different areas that kind of chip in some different places and um, it's, it's a huge priority for BYU, thankfully, um, student employment. They're really trying to give them a lot of opportunities, and they chip in a ton um, in our office for sure.
1: How do you – so at UNC, we implemented kind of a similar model to yours, John, where our students are kind of like the focus group first and then like the content and creators slash amplifiers like kind of second. Right. Um, and we attracted a lot of students that were interested, but most of them were, like, communications majors, which, like, isn't surprising. But when you say that you have someone who's supply chain, that's, like, Mm -hmm. one of the last type of people that I would assume would be even, like, interested. Or how do you, you know, like, how do you find these students that work for the job but aren't in marketing communications anything like that?
2: Yeah, So, so we've actually found those types of students through doing takeovers. Um, so she did a takeover while she was at, actually our, we have a BYU Jerusalem center in Jerusalem. Um, and she did a takeover from Jerusalem, which was really cool. And, and that was, you know, we found her for that because she was kind of a friend of a friend of someone in our office. And we're just looking at, you know, which BYU students are using Instagram really well and could tell a story really well in a takeover, um, just a day in the life sort of thing. Um. So she did that takeover and did like an incredible job. Like we used that over and over in training purposes to kind of say, you know, be like this and, and, mm-hmm. and do this. Um, so when we had a position. So we added her to the street team after that. Basically, whenever you do a takeover, well, you get an invite to the street team um, now. That's and awesome. so that's how we're finding students like that. So and we're trying to find more diverse students studying different things. Um, for us, we cannot find an engineering student. Um, our engineering program <laughs> is so good, but we cannot find an engineering student who's good at social to do a takeover. Um, so we've got some plans on that, but uh, we've got a, a couple, we've got a computer science student, um, we have a dietetics student, um, but but yeah, it's kind of been word of mouth, and we'll kind of audition them out, and then have them do a takeover first, and then from the takeover to the street team.
0: Yeah. Huh. One of my uh, the the student that's the captain of the Boulevard team. She's the um, she kind of coordinates everything, and she's an audio engineering major. Oh. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it, they you never
2: you never know what to expect.
0: Yeah, um, but...
2: and I think we'll see that more and more going forward. Right, as as these students mm-hmm. are just such digital natives that mm-hmm. I think they understand that they can love social media they can love communications and that they can just be naturally good at that and take that into whatever field they want to now
1: absolutely Mm -hmm. becoming almost like just a a form of communication that you should be literate in almost like how email communication is now almost required well it is required um for anywhere you go Mm -hmm. for sure i was gonna say you did because uh, one of the first times I ever got the chance to, um, I'll say meet you, even though I was in the audience and you were presenting, so I don't know if that really counts because I was just there. Um, but one of the ta- the first times um, that I got to know your work was through your what I will call famous Instagram story um, that took on basically a very um, – I think a topic that not a lot of schools would say, yeah, we should put that on social media as per how we are all very risk averse. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that's something you want to talk about because you have a new kind of topic out too. So yeah. if you want to give the the brief version of, <laughs> of that presentation.
2: Right. Yeah. It's, it's really evolved. We actually have, we're, we're presenting at a case district conference in a couple of weeks um, out here in California And yeah, we're trying to figure out how to fit everything into one presentation because we did that initial presentation at EduWeb and it was on one of those stories. And now we have three of them and we're trying to figure out how to package everything in. Um, But yeah, that initial story was on, um, it was specifically on sexual assault resources available on campus. And it was a, it was a very long process to do that strategically and to do it well and to talk talk to the right audience in the right way at the right time. Um, but we I, I I feel like we did a pretty good job with that. And, you know, sexual assault is obviously a huge issue on college campuses uh, around the world. And it's one thing to just talk about it, but we felt like we had an opportunity to add a lot of value. Um, we had some data points that um, led us to covering it in what we thought was a pretty effective way and that we saw through our campus climate survey that, um, first of all, students didn't know the best ways to help their friends who came to them and said, "Hey, I've been assaulted." And second of all, they wanted to help. Like, like there was a huge, there's an overwhelming um, uh, need for for students to help, and they wanted to help, but they just didn't know how. So basically, we put this story together, and, and instead of talking to, you know, it would have been, I, I think the the traditional way to look at it would be, okay, if you ever are assaulted, or if you've been assaulted, you know, listen to these resources. And then that's an easy place for a lot of people to tune out and say, okay, this doesn't apply to me. But um, for this story, we specifically addressed every BYU student and said, hey, you can a resource. Like you've got to be ready for that moment if and when a student comes to you and says, hey, I've been assaulted. And that's an incredibly emotionally difficult time for them and physically and and everything. That's a crazy, crazy time of life. Uh, you, you can't afford to to miss helping them. Like you've got to know how to do it. Um, so that was kind of the, the impetus for that first story. And it did go really well. We had some it, the, the social listening from that was, I think, the most important part where we uh, really paid attention to the DMs that came in at the end. We actually had some reports through the DMs. And so we had our uh, Title IX office and our victim advocate or our survivor advocate uh, there ready to answer questions and take reports. And um, it, it was just an incredible experience to do that. Um, and so then a few months after that, we did a follow up just solely on the topic of consent. Um. So basically saying, you know, there's the story about the resources. Um, now let's talk about a way that we can actually prevent assault from happening. And that's by understanding consent a lot better um, for all of us. Again, a touchy topic and a hard topic to hit the right way, but we felt like it went pretty well. And then just a couple weeks ago, um, we had a story on uh, the topic of respect, which which is a very broad topic, but we narrowed in on uh, you know, racism, homophobia, sexism, um, a lot of different things. We, we talked about, uh, you know, online hate and kind of cyberbullying, not not specifically, but in more general terms, then we closed by saying, okay, you can disagree with someone and still be respectful, um, which mm-hmm. we felt like is really, really important in our current climate of outrage on social media and in person, um, that idea of being respectful. Despite disagreements, so uh, we actually had the the president of the university on that story, and he was incredibly supportive. Uh, uh, but yeah, uh, th- those are kind of our big three, um, those t- topics that are you're kind of afraid to touch, but you, you know are so important to your campus culture. Mm-hmm. And uh, thankfully, here at BYU, we've had a lot of great backing from the administration, and they've been uh, they've been very supportive, and helpful in the process.
0: It's just it's amazing. So great. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's, it's it's an important topic. yeah, I, I appreciate that it, It's really important and, and uh, it, it's just one of those things like I leave the offices after the office after days where those stories run and I think like like the, you just have a very gratifying feeling that like you're you're doing something really important and and I mean you get that through through different ways day in and day out, but on these types of stories, there's definitely, something pretty special about it. And uh, one of the really interesting parts about choosing uh, Instagram stories as a mechanism, um, obviously that's where our students are. And so that was a big driving force for why we put uh, this content there. We knew that this is our best place to speak to them right now. Um, But there's been some interesting, uh, interesting positives from us choosing to put it there that we that I'd like to say we were methodical about doing this for this reason, but um, really it's been a pleasant surprise and that's the authenticity and the vulnerability that we're seeing through the direct messages from the stories. Um, So we try to end each of these stories with a call to action with the sexual assault story and the consent story. We specifically said, you know, let us know your questions on this topic and we've got our experts who we used for the story here, they can help answer these. Um, But for this respect story, um, we we really wondered what to do at the end because it didn't feel like just give us your your questions was quite good enough. Um, so we decided to go with um, share with us a, a lesson you've learned about respect in your own life that that's important to you, and we just got these incredibly meaningful and insightful uh, conversations started there. Um, so so the DMS have just been incredible because there is no you know it's your only opportunity to interact with one of these stories is through the DMs. You don't have a retweet button. You don't have this public facing comment section there that we have to worry about trolls coming in and, you know, um, hijacking what you're trying to say or attacking your vulnerability. Um, But instead, you know, we see this authenticity there, which is incredible and start these really, really cool discussions. So um, yeah, just incredibly rewarding to be able to uh, see that type of feedback and and conversations start.
1: That's a really good point that you make about the DMS and things like that, because I feel like while you can get more like eyeballs on a Facebook post or a Facebook video or something like that, just because of its reach generally and the number of users, it's so much more likely that the conversation can turn into a bad, bad place.
2: Yeah. Yeah. We've seen that with Facebook, especially, um, where we've had some huge wins over the years and, and still get a win here and there even with some declining reach. But um, we, we've seen this inc- incrementally over the years is that we have fewer and fewer positive comments in our comments section, mm-hmm. um, but we have more and more shares. So people are willing to like share our content so they can control the conversation on their own Facebook feed with people they know, yeah. but they're way more hesitant to come in on the public comment thread and defend, you know, anything that we're saying from trolls because they don't want it. They just realize here in, you know, 2019, you're not going to win over a troll and it's never worth entering that conversation. So yeah, a huge decline in the quality of conversation on Facebook mm-hmm. for us especially. Um, so it's been refreshing to be able to see um, something much more positive happen through Instagram, e- even though, like you said, you know, not getting, the The vanity eyeballs we're not getting. Mm-hmm. Um, you know we're not leveraging public facing comments in the same way we could on other platforms in the past. but one to one, interpersonally, we're seeing some really cool things,
1: yeah, I don't think you're going to get that. I mean, you're not going to get the people aren't going to tell you what they learned and and they're not yeah. going to ask you questions necessarily about um, how assault is handled on campus or the resources available in a public forum anyway. Right. Right.
0: right.
1: it's so interesting you're seeing more negative comments and more shares that's an interesting trend
2: yeah i've tried to like see if that's research that anyone's done or if that's a a, a trend for others as well but uh, really and I, I mean we haven't kept hard data on it but
1: mm-hmm.
2: anecdotally it, yeah. we've definitely seen a bit of a shift there yeah
1: hmm. well i'm we can go research that now because I think we have to wrap up. I got the little ping from Logan that that's all the time that we have this week. And I'm very sad because there's so much more to talk about on these topics. Right. <laughs> we'll have to have a part two, but, um, John, we really, really appreciate having you. Thank you so much.
2: Yeah. Thanks for having me guys. It's um, great talking to um, guys.
1: Yeah. yeah. And we're glad we could have a little cameo too. special bonus guest.
2: There you go. <laughs> go. Special <laughs> Billy making her podcasting debut.
1: Love it. We had her first. Um, So, listeners, thank you so much for sticking around. Um, You can head over to our website, highered.social. You can get links to all the stuff we talked about today, um, including, I think I can say this, to John, those Instagram stories. I can link to that, right? Publicly? Yep. Uh, We have have them
2: all on IGTV right now. I know many of us struggle to know what to put on IGTV. We're just using it as a repository for a lot of our stuff right now, so you can see it all there.
1: Cool. Yeah, so we will definitely link to all of BYU's use awesome social content, um, as well as ways to get in touch with John if you want to just say hey um, or ask him more questions about the cool stuff he's doing over at BYU. Um, you, of course, can subscribe to us pretty much anywhere you listen to podcasts. And if you use Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. Um, it helps let us know what you like and what you don't like, but it also helps other people find the show. Uh, you can find us. We're on Twitter at H E S podcast. Send us a tweet. If you want to be on the show, do it. Uh, we want to talk to you. It's super, super fun. Thanks so much to Emma Haas and Mariah Barksdale for being basically amazing and helping this show be awesome too. Uh, thanks to the Connect Edu network. Higher Ed Social is a part of this network, which is the first podcast network for higher education. Uh, you can learn more on the website, connectedu.network, and you can actually find some other great shows for pretty much anywhere you work on campus. And we'll see you all next week.